Hello, wrestling fans across the globe. Welcome to the latest edition of Free Admission For Real at www.freeadmissionfr.com, also on iTunes. Here to have a very big show today with a very well-known wrestler, a part of Dragon Gate USA and Evolve, and John Davis, who is going to be going for one of the biggest weekends of his life as a professional wrestler. To get into this, I am J.P. Nichols, but I am not alone. Joining me is actually a debuting good friend of mine, a very well-known wrestling photographer who has done tons of pictures for everyone, lives in Florida, also very close to John Davis as a friend. This is Jake Spacetta. Jake, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. Thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as I've always told you, you're my favorite wrestling photographer. <laughs> you know, so. Okay. Can I tell you something real quick? Yes. You, you know Tommy Taylor? He's going to be wrestling John Davis in the upcoming Florida shows. I, I hung out with him the other day, and he was telling everybody, oh, this is the best photographer in Jacksonville. And here's the thing about that. I've worked two shows in Jacksonville, and it kind of made me feel like a horrible person. So <laughs> thank you for making me sound much better than I am. Well, well, hey, I mean, you, you've traveled to a lot of places across the state, let alone just Jacksonville. You even uh, got to work the Manhattan Center. I, oh, man, that was awesome. That was that was probably my favorite thing I've ever done. Yeah, Just I mean traveling up there and getting to see uh, Dragon and Nigel, the last yeah. show. Mm. Yep. And it was just a really, really big moment all around. So, I mean, uh, to just uh, get into it, like, uh, what companies have you worked for exactly, just to give everyone who might not entirely be familiar with you an idea? <laughs> uh, first and foremost, Wrestlelicious. I worked for them, and it was awesome. Um, I worked for Ring of Honor, FIP, NWA Florida Pro Wrestling Fusion, Pro Wrestling Riot. A uh, bunch of see, I do a lot of Florida shows, so mm -hmm. you know D1PW, uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution, Pro Wrestling Gear. The I worked the past couple of Peterson Cups. I've been around, but I've done mostly all my work. Mostly comes from Pro Wrestling Fusion or FIP. Yes, yes. And as far as I mean, even beyond being a photographer, just being involved with wrestling, even as to go as far as say how you've been involved with wrestling as a fan. I mean, how long would you say you've been a fan for a while? I went to my first match when I was two. I went to two, two. Uh, Royal Rumble '91 in Miami. Wow, that was my yeah, that was my first shows. I was. My entire life, I've wanted to be involved in wrestling. So when I I got in at eighteen and started taking pictures, so it was it was just it was it was my dream come true. Certainly. Then, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I got nothing to say. I promise. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say certainly a better first show experience than mine of Uncensored two thousand. Uncensored two thousand, huh? That was well, my very first live show. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> to be fair, though, to be fair, I don't really remember it. So, after that, oh. I went to, you know, some WCW house shows, some WWF house shows, but I think, I think that's, only, that's been my only pay-per-view so far. Really? Been to TNA a couple times, yeah. I, yeah. I need to start going to more pay-per-views, apparently. Oh, no, I did WrestleMania. I, I was at WrestleMania, never mind. Uh, I just, 24? I oh, no, 28. 28. I, yeah. Whatever oh. that one was, I was there. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. I mean, so, and uh, as far as, I mean, in relation to John Davis, I mean, where did you uh, first get introduced to him and how long have you known him for, I mean, uh, I mean ever since being involved in the business? Uh, we met at an FIP show in 08. Um, we have some mutual friends, Shane and Mark, and they were, you know, they did a lot for FIP and Riot. And they said, you know, you guys both live in Jacksonville. Why don't you ride down together? Because I was coming alone, and it was a long drive, and it sucked. So I just I remember being in the locker room. It was just me and John before a show, and Gabe Sapolsky. He was just sitting in there too, and it was just us talking back and forth, and Gabe just sitting there. And it was it was kind of funny to me to be like, oh, Gabe is a guy that I've always respected and looked up to, and I'm sitting in a locker room with him, and potentially my new best friend. You know. It was just—it was a weird moment for me as a as a fan, I guess. But we started riding together in '08. Started doing fusion, and we just started hanging out from there. He's—he became like my brother. You know, he's—he hangs out with my family. He's close with my family, my girlfriend, my friends. Like, I'm—I'm I'm close to his family. We're just—we're friends. We're very close friends. But yeah. Wonderful. We will actually have John Davis on the line next time we are back on. And that sucks. What? I want to be about me. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, you got you got the floor, man. Go go Jake's wild. Jake's Pizzetta Hour. The, oh, we can uh, Jake's Pizzetta <laughs> Power Hour. So Jake's Pizzetta Power Hour. I'm in. <laughs> we'll talk wrestling. We'll talk music. I'm a big fan of Eddie Gilbert. We could talk about that. Eddie Gilbert, yeah, Eddie Gilbert, good professional that. wrestler Eddie Gilbert, Memphis. Yeah, I'd be good with that. Of course, I'm a big fan. I actually, I have nothing. I'm just, I'm, I'm surprised I'm even on here. <laughs> well, hey, man, I've wanted to get you on here ever since we first started this up, and I know you have been asking me to be on here for a while, hey, and I've, I love and I've, stuff, and I've unfortunately blown you off for a very long time. <laughs> I know. What's with that? It's, I've known, I, I've known you for quite some time. Yeah. All right. We grew yes. up in the same area. We didn't know each other then, but we grew up in the same area. I've seen you at shows and wrestling matches. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, you it's... You can't dodge me forever. Oh, no, please. <laughs> I, I've, and I've been doing my best, too, but... <laughs> yeah, well, good job. <laughs> well, thankfully, that has come to a halt this time. So, uh, we'll be right back in a minute with John Davis on the line, and we will get this underway. And we are back here on Free Admission for Real. We now have Dragon Gate USA and Evolved wrestler John Davis on the line. John Davis, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, man. How are you doing? Doing okay. Doing okay. I mean, uh, I almost got put up to calling you a name that Jake told me to call you, but I un unfortunately backed out on that fear of potentially getting pounced over the weekend. It is probably better that you did you listen to your instincts. <laughs> You okay? Nobody can Jake call you Jakey Holla. Jake does things to get people hurt. Yes. <laughs> JD Holla, JD Walker. I mean, I, I don't know if he ever he ever told you the story about when he got his mom to call me Jakey Holla, and uh, <laughs> straight Leonidas kicked her in the chest into the pool. Yeah. Oh wow. My mom hasn't talked to me since. 
apparently, rule one in the book of John Davis, do not call him J.D. Holla. Do you think that would be fair? Yes. <laughs> so, we have learned something today. But very, gl very glad to have you on the show, though. I'm actually... I mean, you've been someone that I've been wanting to get on the show for a long time. I mean, considering that actually a lot of people associated with the site and whatnot are just like very huge fans of your work and have been like waiting for you to get that big breakout that you actually had the opportunity to get a about a month ago. Yeah, that was pretty. You know what? Speaking of that, um, being fans, remember that time you were at the show and you were on your phone my entire match? I was going to address that actually later, <laughs> but to be fair, when it comes to that, Matt, for those that are not aware, this was at Vintage Wrestling. Uh, it was John against Bruce Santee, and that was actually one of the whole reasons why I wanted to go to the show, and then during the show, uh, one of my friends that was with me happened to point out a person that looked exactly like my father at the show, like to the point where I sent a picture of this man to my dad, and he said, "Is that actually me?" <laughs> <laughs> so this entire time, my dad and I are going back and forth, just like I'm blown away at how much this looks like you. And unfortunately, it had to take place during your match. I yeah, I, feel, I think it's, I, feel, I think it started when I was on the way to the ring, and it and it finished when I called you out on the way after I was going back to the locker room. <laughs> like, I mean, out of all the matches on the show, it just happened to be yours, and I feel terrible about it to this day. So what you're trying to say is you care about your dad more than John Davis? I suppose oh. it could be interpreted that way. I mean, I don't want it to come across that way, but... <laughs> I think this interview is over. Well, you're uh, out of order, my friend. Well, well, thank you for having me on the show, John. I guess we'll talk. <laughs> you want to try try this again? Make amends. <laughs> All righty, I suppose. But uh, either way, I mean, uh, John, I feel like um, a lot of people have not really had the opportunity to get to really get to know. Uh, I mean, John Davis. The, uh, the person, as much as they've seen John Davis, the wrestler, they know all the type of offense that you can bring to the ring. Very high impact, very powerful, and whatnot. I believe that you're, I mean, in fact, uh, for the style battle this weekend, that is what your style is called, am I right? Power? Yes, sir. Yes, so there you go. Um, but I wanted to try and uh, introduce more people to you as a person, considering that, I mean, I've, I mean, I known you for a while, and obviously Jake has known you for even longer than that, so I suppose, uh, considering the circumstances of this weekend where, I mean, you're putting everything on the line for your wrestling career, I figure it'd be a good way to sort of go back towards the beginning and just sort of reflect on everything, since hopefully this is not the end, but as you put it in the interview, it very well could be. So, I mean, uh, I suppose to just take it back to the beginning, where did you exactly get your start with everything? And in terms of not even just being a wrestler, but even being a wrestling fan to begin with. Um, man, I can remember coming home from church with my grandparents when I was a kid, like four or five years old. And uh, we would, my grandfather, the only time he would speed was after church coming home so we could catch the NWA on TV, and uh, we had this gigantic wooden TV, and I think that's where my whole power style started from, because I was like four or five, and I would grab it, and I'd have to get behind and put my whole body into it to turn it to where we could sit in the kitchen, 
and watch it while we were eating because we, um, my grandmother was tougher than everyone in the house. And if we tried to eat in the living room, she would fight us. <laughs> and uh, I can I can remember seeing you know Sting and Luger for the first time and watching Cactus Jack do the elbow onto the cement and not being able to figure out how he didn't break his hip every single time he did it. But I mean, after that, I just I kind of caught the bug and would stay with me. I mean, so I mean, would you say that uh, ever since uh, you first saw it, you just became like, I mean, an addict to it in a sense? I mean, like, did you always have in mind like from the moment you saw it that this is what you wanted to do? Uh, no, I, I was always a fan. Um, I didn't decide that I was going to be a pro wrestler until like '92. It was uh, Bret Hart and Davy Boy in uh, SummerSlam, and. Uh, they did their match, and I remember I was sitting at my friend's house, and they finished the match, and I went to my friend, and uh, I was like, I'm going to be a wrestler. That's what I'm going to do. And his mom walks by, doesn't even bat an eye. And she was like, uh, you'll never be big enough. And I just kind of stared at her and thought some negative things about her as she walked away. But that was one of the things that always kind of stuck with me. But, yeah, it was probably around 92 or so when I decided that I was going to be a wrestler. And um, and so then from there, you actually uh, were trained by Dory Funk Jr., if I'm correct. Yeah, Dory was the second trainer. I started in the Jacksonville area with a guy named uh, Chris Turner, rock and roll Chris Turner. Rock and roll. I worked, I worked with him for about a year and a half or so, and then just chance meeting with Dory at a, at a World One or a Spinebuster show. And just, hey, sir, how you doing? Da-da-da. And... The promoter walks over and goes, oh, yeah, uh, good you guys met. You're going to be working at the same event. And then just kind of took off from there. And when you first started training, I mean, do you feel that it was initial? I mean, like, how do you feel when you very first started training? Like, was it what you expected? I mean, wrestling in general? Or well, did it look? Or was I, it I, went in, I went in with no expectations. I had very, very little uh little access to the indies. Like, I didn't have that attention span. Like, I was a, uh, I, it, my whole thing was sports. Like, I was, I'd go play basketball for a couple hours a day. I'd play pickup games or flag football or whatever in the neighborhood, you know, and we do, I'd go do money tournaments and flag football. And my cousin played baseball, so we cross-trained with that. So it was sports, 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 sports. And um, when I found the card, I just missed the arena tryout. They called me back and I moved something, so I missed the tryout. And, uh, so I just I called the dude, and you know, two weeks later I was in the ring. Um, I wasn't ready for the immense amount of pain that comes with training to be a pro wrestler. That was something I probably could have done without. But the uh, it, it was crazy. Like I, I remember, I can remember football practice and being sore, and then I can remember wrestling, starting and training and taking bumps and everything and hitting ropes and being a whole different kind of sore. Like there's, I can remember three times I've been the most sore in my life, and it's actually the first day of football practice, um, the first week of wrestling training, and after I had my surgery on my wrist. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, especially. Um, like, and where would, um, uh, what would you say was like um, the real turning point for you, I mean, like in terms of like advancing in wrestling and whatnot, like while you were training? <laughs> I mean, like, because I, I know that you all 
you had the opportunity to team with uh, Dory against uh, America's Most Wanted back in 2006, if I'm correct. Wow. Good memory. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, one of the big turning points, honestly, uh, was way before that. And uh, I was working for Dirty Peterman, and Terry Taylor was there. And uh, we did our match, and something got messed up, and we went with it. And uh, we were on, like, third. And then Terry spent the next hour and a half, maybe hour and 45 minutes, two hours, telling us how green and stupid we were. And the Red Rooster was doing that? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And uh, Just making sure. <laughs> we're we're going to get back to the Red Rooster part, though. So it was me, uh, this kid, Lance Alante, a guy named Kevin Cantrell, and Blaine Rage. And we're all standing there, and he's giving it to us. Now, we missed the entire rest of the show. The main event for the show was AJ Styles versus Jason Cross, a match that everybody in the building wanted to see. We didn't see it because Terry Taylor was talking to us about it. But uh, one point at the conversation I remember the most was uh, – He's talking to us. He goes, you know, you got to have a good gimmick. And me and Blaine Rage make eye contact. And we both mouth Red Rooster at the same time. And then, like, <laughs> both have to cover our faces as he's continuing to lecture us. And while it, it sucked to have him, you know, telling us how bad we were in front of everybody, at the end of the day, it made us better because we realized what we did and what was wrong with what we did. Uh, and then from there, actually, like, uh, you actually had the opportunity to get into FIP in 2008 with Corey Chavis and as a part of Dark City Fight Club. I mean, how were you? I mean, uh, when you first walked into the door in FIP, I mean, how did that? Uh, how did all that turn out? Well, I, I don't mean to butt in, but he had some matches beforehand before he got into FIP. One of them was against Cool Seth Delay. That's who, right. Who won? That was. That was FIP, sir. Who? Um, who well, who beat you? Let's, 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 let's get to that. Hold on. So, we, uh, I've actually debuted for FIP three times. Very little, little known fact. Um, I don't know if you remember the team of Jarrell Clark and Jay Fierce. Fast and Fast. Yes, absolutely. Um, they disappeared. It's still speculated to where he went. And I teamed with Jarrell for a night against Black Market, and we were called Fast and Furiouser. And then <laughs> that didn't work out. And then they brought me back in a singles match against Seth Delay. And then I left again, and then they brought me back with Corey as the Dark City Fight Club. So I've actually debuted three times. Wow. I actually wasn't even aware of this, and I'd say I'm a very knowledgeable in the history when it comes to FIP. Well, the, between my first debut and the Dark City Fight Club debut, I've probably gained 60 pounds. I mean, like, uh, where did you uh, first get the opportunity to meet Corey? Um, I, I met him in Valdosta. He was still teaming with uh, Murder One at the time, and uh, then we met at Dory School. And I uh, kind of hit it off, and we used to kind of hang out backstage or whatever while the shows were going on and, and goof off and play around with people or whatever. And um, then at uh, a riot show, they all walked up to us and was like, hey, we're thinking about shooting you guys up. Do you have matching gear? And he raised up his shirt and was wearing a blue singlet, and I pulled my gym force down and was wearing a blue, blue trunks, and 
and the dark suit attack level was formed two weeks later. Yeah. And then obviously, and uh, when you were part of the Dark City Fight Club, you had like a ton of brawls with uh, Black Market, and uh, that actually I remember from being at the shows that uh, to the point where you all were starting to get cheered. Yeah, you know, we, <laughs> that was one of the weird things because like Black Market to that point was like the babyface tag team, like they were the tough guys, and their challenge was the Heartbreak Express. So, um, we started going back and forth with them, and I remember very distinctly, it was, uh, it was me and Sean Murphy, and they were cheering me, and then it was Corey and Joey Machete, and they were cheering Joey. And so it was one of those back and forth things. It was, it was really, really odd, and it made for some interesting matches. Yeah, and then, uh, actually, um, from your time in FIP, it actually allowed you to step into Ring of Honor as well, which is probably, I mean, where a lot of people now, I mean, initially became familiar with you, like uh, from your debut with uh, Corey against Dean and Generico, and then it allowed you to be on TV and uh, on HDNet and things like that. Like, how was uh, getting into Ring of Honor? Uh, you know, it was weird because we got the call, like, right, I mean, within a couple of weeks before the show. And, like, hey, you guys want to come, you know, try out? And we're like, all right, sure. And uh, the uh, they, they gave us a match to Tina Generico the first night, and it went, well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I broke a guardrail with Kevin Steen's body that night. It was actually Roderick Strong the next day. No, we did. I did. I did with Roddy too. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, well, forgive me. <laughs> I, I no. grabbed Kevin Steen and started running and didn't stop until we met the guardrail. That's right. Wow, forgive no. me. Now, now you're gonna put me through a guardrail, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the uh, the next night we knew we had the six man, and uh, we uh, that's when I got Roddy and. Now that that weekend was like that was an incredible weekend for you guys, and I remember, I don't know if you remember this, John, but you know we rode together all the time, and you were really down on wrestling at that point, like really down on wrestling, and you were like, "Man, I'm done. I can't do this anymore." Next day, like next day, within next week, you got a call from Ring of Honor. That's happened what twice now? Yeah. Like, I mean, you were almost giving it up, and you got the biggest, up to that point, the biggest part of your career was right there. I always, always look back on that, and it kind of, it's weird. It's weird how that actually works out. Yeah. I mean, the same thing happened with, with the Dragon Gate and Evolve deal, too. I was like, you know what, this, after the Ring of Honor thing, I was kind of down on everything, too. And I was like, man, I'm just going to start coming in a show and maybe do a couple of small endings, and then did that all with me, and here I am now. And then also shortly, actually, unfortunately, into your not too far into your time in Ring of Honor, didn't you have like a very devastating injury to your wrist? Yes, I did. Um, Kevin Steen uh, did a front flip off the apron, and um, those of you that know Kevin Steen know that he has no business doing front flips off of aprons. <laughs> and uh, when when he did, he kind of landed in the palm of my hand from eight feet up in the air. And when I hit the floor, 
he was still in the palm of my hand. And 275 pounds from eight feet in the air into one hand generally results in a break. However, I was lucky and was only four dislocations and destroyed all my ligaments and tendons and required a two-hour surgery and four pins and seven months being away from wrestling. So I guess I got lucky in that aspect. I mean, was uh, was told by my doctor that I'd never wrestle again and never lift weights like I used to. And uh, he cleared me to wrestle in seven months. And on the one-year anniversary of me messing my wrist up, I sent him a video of me benching 435 just to be a dick. <laughs> I mean, um, like, any um, uh, other real memories, I mean, from Ring of Honor? Like, uh, one, I mean, I I would say, I mean, for me personally, like, uh, if – and in my, if I were in the position, I would find it like really cool to like say that I got to work the Manhattan Center. I know that uh, I just talked about that with Jake towards the beginning of the show. How he got to be a photographer in the Manhattan Center and how that could be like seen as like th- that's a very big accomplishment for anyone in the business. Yeah, you know the the Manhattan Center was really cool. I remember walking into the building for the first time and fans being out there. You know, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. And me thinking, wow, okay, this is, you know, you know, you're not used to that. Like, like, uh, there were, there were, there was already a large number of fans just sitting there waiting. So it seems to kind of make you feel like you've arrived. You know what I mean? And like, m- my goals for wrestling were pretty simple. It was get on TV, go to Ring of Honor, get a ROH chant, and have them slap the guardrails when you when I go to the ring. <laughs> I was, those, like those are like legit my goals, you know. And so I, I got to do all of that. And uh, but the Ring of Honor fan, especially in New York, the I mean, I mean, you guys are already familiar with how insane that crowd is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we got to have a couple good matches. I think at, in New York, my favorite match honestly is probably Teaching Cloudy though. Oh. That might sound to you guys. Uh, what was it like even uh, getting to work on uh, TV, like the difference between doing that and doing a show for a DVD, as an example? You know, there wasn't a huge difference. There was just <clears throat> nicer equipment we had to worry about messing up. Um, uh, I remember the first weekend we were we were there, me and Claire were there for Ring of Honor, was at, you know, the Florida shows, and uh, Brent Albright, like, AC Net was the first weekend there. They were all excited. They wanted to record on their cameras. And Brent Albright, during our match, kicks the camera out of the guy's hand. <laughs> and, like, that, that was AC Net's first experience with Ring of Honor, is that some big, brutish dude kicks the camera out of the cameraman's hand and does not turn around to apologize. <laughs> I remember that very vividly, actually. The camera just collapsed. It and, was... and Brent could care less. Like, he was like, well, we shouldn't have been there. <laughs> I mean, because, uh, um, yeah, because uh, with Ring of Honor as well, I mean, I don't want to, like, harp on them too much. I felt like one thing that uh, they could have and should have done with, like, you and Corey, and even, like, a few other teams that they had brought in at that point, such as, like, the House of Truth with uh, Josh Raymond and Christian Abel, was I felt like they never really took the opportunity to really give you all singles matches at times, instead of, like, uh, typically they really put you in tag team matches nonstop, and I felt like uh, you and Corey have a lot to show for singles, as clearly seen for you in Dragon Gate now, and Ring of Honor just never really took that opportunity, which bothered me. Well, you know, for the longest time, 
you know, the Ring of Honor fans were familiar with Corey already from his Rainman days. And for the longest time there, like, as far as the fans went, I was just the light-skinned dude that came out with Rainman. Like, and once we kind of started developing ourselves, people were asking about singles matches. And I remember us going to the office and like, hey, let's get some singles matches. And then we got singles matches, and they're like, hey, you guys should probably take some time off. And then we were like, hey, we should probably just get our releases, and then that was it. So we had one singles match. Corey wrestled Kevin Steen, and I wrestled Red Titus. I mean, like, I feel like there was just a lot more uh, they could have done with that there. I mean, but obviously now, I mean, uh, with Dragon Gate USA and Evolve, you're getting that shot now. And you, uh, right after the time in Ring of Honor had ended, you uh, made your debut with Corey, actually, in Atlanta. Yep. That was, uh, that was, that was actually a good weekend. We did, I think it was, it was North Carolina. I was in North Carolina, and then the first, the, the first night, and then the second night was Atlanta, and then the third night was me and Corey versus Sammy and Cannon, which actually led to my feud with Sammy, Cannon, and and Pinky. But I, I mean, the, the things I remember about that weekend was just thinking about the Dragon Gate locker room. I, wasn't, I mean, I was familiar with the guys, but I didn't know them, and it was cool seeing everybody do their thing, and uh, I was actually just talking about this, uh, having Stalker Ichikawa's teeth break my skin from hilarious. And actually happened to get a, a tetanus shot because I closed on the face off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so obviously one main difference uh, when it comes to Dragon Gate USA is uh, in comparison to Ring of Honor is the fact that you do have the opportunity to work with more talent that is, uh, I suppose you could say, uh, travels the world. I mean, you have uh, Sima, Akira Tozawa, uh, Masato Yoshino, uh, various others on the roster. Like, uh, like, how do you feel about um, the usage that Dragon Gate USA does in terms of incorporating uh, the best that America has to offer in independent wrestling versus the Japanese uh, Dragon Gate roster? You know, I think it's a, it's a really good blend. I mean, you take Japan's work ethic. There's, there's nobody else works as hard as those guys do, and nobody else puts as much pressure on themselves as those guys do. And that work ethic has crept over into Dragon Gate USA and crept over into Evolve. And, you know, you'll it, it's weird because you'll have a match and you'll come to the back and the guy's like, oh, I loved it. And you're like, uh... And then they'll have a match and you tell them how awesome you thought it was and they're like, uh... You know, everybody's hard on themselves, which makes everybody get better. Which is one of the things that I, like, I really appreciate about that locker room, that everybody sees themselves as okay and everybody else is awesome. So we're all trying to kept our game up to be as good as whoever we think is the best one there. And everybody has different opinions. I mean, I also feel like, I mean, when it comes to Dragon Gate USA, I mean, uh, just simply the fact that it even gives uh, many talents the opportunity to be able to go overseas and whatnot to expand their career, I feel like that's absolutely one of the best things that can happen for any wrestler involved. And I'm hoping that that will happen for you because you absolutely deserve to go over there. And I feel like you could probably have some fantastic battles with the likes of uh, perhaps even CyberKong, as an example. (laughs) (laughs) CyberKong has been brought up a few times, and I I, I would would enjoy that. You know, it would be good going over there um, just to experience it and see what it's like and actually be able to get in there and work out with all the guys and learn more than anything else. A lot of people don't realize that I've 
do a lot of studying, and I'm moderately. I'm not going to say I'm the most well-versed guy when it comes to knowing everything going on in wrestling, but I pay a lot of attention, and that would be a great learning experience for me. Me. Do you uh, happen to have any examples of this as well? Examples of what? Uh, oh, uh, in terms of like, uh, like you're studying. Um, I mean, anybody really. Like, I'll watch. I'll go sit down. Like the other day, I for some reason broke out the Samoa Joe best of in a DVD and sat down and watched that just to pick up little nuances and like just watch different guys work and see how they've evolved. And like, you know, that took me from watching that to, okay, well he works on Jay Dutt at such and such and then took it from that to something else. So like, so it's like, it's one of those where it's, it's my intention span will deviate on occasion. And so it's like, I, I can start with one thing and I'll end up somewhere completely different you know i started watching i want to say it was like the best of the uh the midnight express or something and somehow i ended up watching blood foyer for 45 minutes like it, it it just goes to wherever but like i try to pay attention to everything and it's always the little things that get me like people can do uh you know somebody jumps up on the top and does a, a double moonsault and yay jazz hands are bright and shiny and sparkly but at the same time, it's the little things that I'll catch on to, like what sets that up or or what's a little move, like something small that you don't see a lot. And that's the things that I pick up on. And then also, uh, you briefly touched on it before, how uh, you had your feud with uh, Sammy and Cannon last year. And actually, during that feud, you had the opportunity to uh, team with Sabu a bit. Uh, and even uh, with that, even translating even to this year in Miami. So, I mean, how would you... Uh, how um, was it working with uh, Sabu? Because obviously, I mean, that's a very huge name to be teaming with. Yeah, I, I agree. It was, a, it was. I mean, it was an honor to even be teamed and put in the same ring with him. Um, that being said, he is a maniac. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like playing football in a minefield. You know, you got guys on your team and you know what the goal is, but you're always worried about something blowing up. And that's that's not a discredit to, to Sabu. It's kind of a, okay, you don't know where he's coming from. Like, there might be a table right next to you and you not realize it until you turn around kind of thing. And it was while it was a cool experience, like, it, it made you realize that, you know, those guys had their own style and they stay with it no matter what. And then shortly after this, actually, one thing that I did want to touch on uh, is simply the fact that when the match between you and Finley was teased, um, a very, very awesome video package was put together to hype up uh, the confrontation that you two had backstage. And I briefly touched on this in my interview with Gargano uh, a couple months back. But just the video packages that go into Dragon Gate and Evolve, I mean, I don't know who, I mean, well, I know, uh, I believe Flip Kendrick does a bit of work on some of them, but, I mean, I'm not sure if there's anyone else as well, but every video package that's put together for the company, for both companies, is just awesome every single time. And that one is no exception. It's insane. I saw the, uh, one of the packages hyping me and Finley, and I was in the gym, and I just came in there, and I, you know, I was sitting there drinking water or whatever, and I watched, I watched a little video package, 
And just some random dude was walking by, and I grabbed him and was like, hey, we're going to go train back. He's like, oh, okay. And I just, like, ran this dude into the ground out on the floor in the gym for, like, an hour just because I was hyped up off the video package. And it's like, I can't. It's crazy because, it's like, you know, being a wrestler, you're still a fan. And seeing things like that that are cool to have your name attached to it just gets you hyped up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just because that video package, I, I remember just watching it, and it was just like, in a few minutes, I mean, even if you have someone that, like, for some reason, one reason or another, was not familiar with you or not familiar with Finley, you can watch that video, and you can be immediately like, I really want to see this match. I mean, it's just amazing, like, the type of work that can be put into those that just really captivates you and really gets you hyped up. Yeah, they did and, a fantastic job going into it. And that actually leads us to this past uh, May, where I would, I mean, would you, uh, would you agree with me if I were to say that it was probably the biggest weekend of your career up to this point? Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I mean, where you uh, got, had the opportunity to wrestle with Fit Finley on the first night, and then you had the opportunity to wrestle with Loki on the second night. And it really, to me, I mean, because obviously I've been a fan of yours for a long time now, and for fans that maybe were not as familiar with you, the, the one thing that I thought after watching the two of those matches, I thought that it really, really had gave the chance for fans to see what exactly you could do especially with two very different opponents. Yeah, you know, in, in speaking on that, you know, a lot of guys won't get the opportunity to wrestle those two guys in their career. And I somehow rolled the dice and ended up for them back-to-back and, you know, the same weekend. Um, going into the Finley match, uh, I, I feel like a lot of people thought that it was going to be ring the bell and us just try to kick each other to sleep. And, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten really positive feedback. And some people are like, I just, I didn't expect that, you know. And my response is pretty simple. You watch, you know, you watch uh, Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair feud with each other. And every match starts with wrestling because it's a wrestling match. You know, and it, it ended up being way more technical than people expected. And, you know, it, it surprised a lot of people because I guess a lot of people were in the impression that I was just a, uh, you know, throw you face first into the floor, buckle bomb, you know, hit big moves kind of guy. And it let them know that I could wrestle. But now, the next night with Loki, it was okay. It was back to that because that's what I had to do against him. And and the reason it, it, it's one of the biggest weekend in my career, in my opinion, is because it, I was allowed to show exactly who I was and what it was I can do. Yeah, especially, I mean, because I know um, Gabe has mentioned it, especially online, I mean, uh, how Finley, he considers Finley to be, if not one of, if not the most underrated wrestler in, like, all the business right now. So, I mean, just to have the opportunity to be able to get in the ring with him is just, like, a phenomenal sight. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Loki the next day, I mean, uh, someone who's just coming off of... Uh, uh, being on WWE television as a world traveler going to New Japan, Zero One, Pro Wrestling Noah has been in just about every major company you can imagine. And then you, to be, I mean, in all honesty, completely stole the show with him. I appreciate that. You know, one of the things was is that 
you know, it, a lot of people were surprised because nobody's went at Loki. Like, a lot of people have wrestled him and tried not to win, but nobody's tried to win against him. And that was 100% my intention. I was like, you know, he's done. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna buckle bomb him. Okay, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go for that. And, you know, it's it's there's not too many people who aren't familiar with with Loki and it's uh like even with like like the title crush, I mean for people who saw the match, like I saw that coming and my first thought was, Okay, well I'm gonna catch him with spine bus from the idea is to win the match, that's the point. And it just I mean it just so happened that we it it looked really good when it came across on the camera. Right. And and now this is giving uh, way to this weekend, actually, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where Evolve will present their second style battle tournament. You were actually a part of the first style battle tournament as well, which took place in May of last year, which was a one-night tournament as opposed to being spread out across three days. Um, what are your thoughts, I mean, just on uh, tournaments for wrestling in general, and in- including the style battle last year? Well, you know... Tournaments are a good way to showcase the toughness of wrestlers. They're, when you think about it, when there's tournaments and they're, and they're big tournaments, there's a big feel to it. I mean, even with King of Trios, uh, Peterson, Super 8, like, you know, the like everybody gets that, you know. It's like the Final Four, except in wrestling it can happen every couple months, depending on who's doing what tournament. Um the style battle is different in the aspect that instead of all the guys being similar, it's it's okay, everybody's representing a certain style because pro wrestling isn't there's it's not a one particular pro wrestling style. You know, a lot of it's hybrid but, you know, at the same time you have to have your base off of something. And last year it was a lot of guys representing a lot of different styles and it got confusing for some of the people watching from home. But this year, having only four guys and it being over three nights and it being round robin, I think gets to showcase a little bit more. And the next year, you can bring in more styles to showcase. I think that the winner each year should have to compete in the next one just to see if his style is going to hold up against everybody else's and it can make it interesting. On note of the style battle tournament this Thursday, it will be the first night where actually you will be facing fresh out of retirement to my knowledge. This very well could be his first match back. I could be wrong though. It is. But you'll be Oh, it actually is? Yes. Wow. So you will be facing Tommy Taylor, who I mean uh, retired in November of 2010 against Sean Spears at Pro Wrestling Fusion, actually. And yep. this will be his first match back, as we just heard. And what are your, uh, didn't you and uh, the British Lions uh, back at FIP, you all had a few matches together, if I'm correct? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with Tommy. Him and Chris were a, a, a really good team. Uh, I never had the opportunity to wrestle him in a singles match. Um, I do find it weird that his first match back, he chooses to wrestle me. Uh, it's, it's, um, I'm excited for it, but at the same time, you know, after taking a, a year or two off, this is a pretty big step. So he's trying to make a statement. Unfortunately for him, I'm trying to make a bigger statement. So, I mean, that's a lot, but I, I only see this going one way. But see, at the same time, though, he's coming back. Nobody has seen him. Nobody's seen him wrestle at all. He's coming back. He could be unpredictable. You know, 
at least with AR Fox and Bobby Fish, you've seen them lately. You know how they're working. You know what's in their repertoire. Like, Tommy's a guy trained in England, trained in FCW, wrestled guys like Nigel. Like, he, he's got a lot going for him right now, and I don't know. I think that I think of the weekend that might be your toughest match because you don't know what you're getting into. Um, you know, that's a that's a very good point. Oh, I know. However, it is, it's the, uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're looking at Tommy Taylor, who might weigh 215 pounds, and you're looking at me, who does weigh 265 pounds. So you can be as European as you want to, and you can do all the flashy European counters and reversals, but uh, you stick your head up for too long and I'm taking it off. And I have all the respect in the world for Tommy, but again, he picked the wrong tournament, wrong night, wrong guy. And that will be in Ybor on Evolve 14 at the Orpheum. And then the next night in St. Petersburg on Evolve 15, you're going to be facing A.R. Fox, who actually, uh, in the Style Battle Tournament last year, you did face him, if I'm correct. And obviously, yeah. he's someone as well in Drangate USA. Well, pretty much it could be said for almost every, all the American talents that have been a part of Drangate USA. Each person has really seen a lot of advancement in the way that they perform and to me he's like certainly towards the top of the list and in comparison to Tommy you're going from a European wrestler to someone who I mean like a European style wrestler to someone who's very high flying and unpredictable in that sense yeah well you know Fox is he's one of those guys that he gets better every time he walks past the ring um, he comes up with moves by watching other guys fail at trying something completely different. Um, as far as innovation goes, there are very few guys ahead of him on the list as far as what he can think of. Um, he's the guy that put me out last year. He's the guy that I owe for putting me out last year, and this year it's going to be it's going to be different. This is uh, this is a tournament that I don't I, I can't lose. It's not going to happen. Um, I'm not going to say, oh, well, if this guy beats me or if that guy beats me, it's either I win or I go home. Um, Fox is really good, and I, I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. I, again, lots of respect for him. But at the end of the day, it's him getting another win or me feeding my family, and my family is going to come way before any of his wins. And then on the third night, which will actually be in your hometown in Jacksonville, it's going to be you and Bobby Fish, actually, who, uh, not too far from in terms of a style of uh, what Taylor does, but at the same time, he incorporates a lot more striking into his repertoire. And the two of you actually just had a match in Miami as well. So, if anything, you're probably the most familiar with him. You know, the thing with Fish, it's funny that the company has evolved because Bobby Fish has evolved a lot over the years. He went from a guy that just tried to kick to a guy that works for missions to a guy that's that's splitting them in together. He's doing like he hits a moonsault. Like it's he has he's probably one of the more underrated guys on the indie scene in my opinion. Um you never really know what to expect from him. Uh our last encounter he got lucky. I mean he got me in uh in his fish hook and attacked but uh it was, just, it was just a fluke thing. He threw a kick, and I checked it, and out went my ankle. So it was 
just one of those things. Um, that being said, uh, it's going to come down to hunger, and I think he's going to come in a little confident. Okay, well, I got done last time. I know what his weakness is. Well, my ankle healed, and there'll be tape on it, so hope he's not thinking it's the same thing. Um, and this version of me is going to be way more vicious, way less caring. Uh, so when he strikes, I hope he's just ready to get hit back. And obviously you have it set in mind for in the event of the fact that you do not come out on top of this tournament. I mean, you are planning on like going home, as you said. But in the event that you do win the tournament, what do you see for yourself after that? Um, you know, it's, it's two words, Evolve Championship. Uh, we work in a company based off of wins and losses. We, we, uh, we stress the wins and loss record. The win leader is the guy in Evolve. Uh, why can't there be a title? If we're going to put so much emphasis on winning and losing, why not make a title? If you're going to be the best, have a reason to you know, show people you're the best. You know, if you're like, okay, well, I'm in Evolve, and I'm the best one there. Well, how do I know that? Oh, go to uh, dgusatv.com and and check out check out the Evolve section, and it shows I'm the win leader, so I'm the best in Evolve. That's a lot of work. Yeah. I'm, I'm much rather say, hey, this is my belt. Where's yours? Oh, wait, don't have one. Or then even do you feel that until that belt is created, do you see yourself even potentially going after Johnny Gargano's Open the Freedom Gate Championship? Um, you know, I'm, I'm working my way up Evolve. I'm making it, I've already made a name for myself in Dragon Gate. Um, I can't control what the Dragon Gate office wants to do. If they want to give me another shot, then I'm more than willing to take it. But Evolve, like I said, it's, it's one of them offers. So I just bring my wins up, and they have to give me a shot. There's no, there's no events or buts about it. That's absolutely true. And Jake, I was told that when I brought you onto the show, that one thing you were going to get into on here was you were going to bust out potentially a few amazing stories that you've shared with John over the years. Well, I don't think they're amazing. Oh, I feel well. like, well, see, if it's overhyped, then it's not that good. Oh, well, okay, then they're terrible stories, and then we'll surprise everyone. Well, that's mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> I. We, you know, we've ridden together for four years, oh something like that. I mean, we've seen a lot, and you know, on on Colt's podcast, he had he had the story of Sal and Seth Delay and going through a window. But what he forgot to mention is that we were there as well. And John, do you remember a lot of that? Uh, I can remember. I walked out of the room. I was sitting in my room, and I was watching. Spider-Man or something. Some crazy. Oh, we're watching Batman. It was Batman. Yeah, you. It was the new Batman. Pez, David Puente, and Frankie the Ref. I think Tom was there too. Yep. And Uh, what? They they had the room next to us, right? Yes. And the thing was is that it was FIP weekend, and uh, Sal had wrecked Seth's car the day before. So Seth was a little hot with Sal, and uh, they've been going back and forth with each other all weekend, but, you know, they're, they're boys or whatever, so it's just kind of like friendly, I hate your guts kind of thing. And uh, I remember walking out of my room, and 
everybody's talking, and out of nowhere, Seth hockey checks out into the window. Just right and through the window. The, it shatters. It's like that scene from Ghost. The window breaks, and you're waiting for that thing of glass to fall and kill him. And everybody just kind of stops what they're doing in their mouth open. I was like, hey, in my room, turn around, walk back in my room, shut the door, start watching Batman again. Yeah, you, you deserted everyone. Yeah, it wasn't my room. I wasn't paying like for that. Like, you were going to get blamed for it. If I want to say it was actually the room that, like, the ring crew was sleeping in. So it wasn't yeah. even Seth and Sal's room, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But I remember that. And there's actually a picture on Facebook, if you're friends with any of us, that you could probably find of that situation. But I also remember later that day, didn't they go to the beach? And that, the show that night, Seth had salt water all in his wounds, and it just killed him. And yeah. I remember that being hilarious to Sal for some reason. Well, you know, another thing was Sal went to the beach in his gear. He, he yeah. He wore trunks at the beach. And all he I, did was come back to the building from his knee pads and boots. You know, Sal Renaro is a guy that is hilarious, and everybody loved watching his matches. Everybody in the back loved watching his matches, and I wish he was still involved more than he is right now. The best Peterson Cup match I've ever seen was Salonaro uh, versus Larry Sweeney. Him and Sweeney, yeah. And <laughs> best match my ever. first weekend in wrestling, we were at an FIP show, and Larry Sweeney was playing kickball before the show with a bunch of other guys, Black Market, Jigsaw, Hallowicked, and Sweeney comes out wearing his wrestling boots and just... <laughs> Sends the kickball flying like it was. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> if if there's people that haven't seen that Peterson Cup match, it was just perfect. It was a perfect match for the two of them. Speaking, speaking of Sauronaro, just completely random. Uh, I once watched Sauronaro have a conversation with a group of guys while Adam Pierce taped his right arm to his body. Like. <laughs> like Duct tape all the way around his body. He was wearing a button-down shirt and dress pants, and he taped his arm from his waist all the way up to his shoulder, and it was like a strap going across it, like a silver toga, and he just <laughs> left it there. And then, then he taped his other form, and Sal just stayed like that for like an hour, and then he couldn't get the tape off, and nobody would help him. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Sal Renaro. Well, wasn't there a story of New York City, not involving Sal, but wasn't there something with Rhett Titus in the back when we were in New York City? <laughs> um, the doc up in uh, in New York, he knows everybody. He goes to all the shows, plays familiar with everybody. And uh, Ernie Osiris is flat ironing uh, Rhett Titus's hair. And Rhett's wearing his shorts and a T-shirt. So he's wearing like his wrestling gear shorts and a T-shirt. And... Um, the doctor walks over, taps him on the shoulder, and he's like, uh, Sarah, whenever you're ready, we can do your, you know, we can do your stats. And he thought Rhett Titus was Sarah Del Rey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so, love that. Yeah. Just the visual. <laughs> of, <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he said it, and Rhett looked up at me, and like, there's one of those moments where your mouth opens and you can't laugh fast enough. <laughs> and I spent like the next 20 minutes telling everybody in the locker room what happened. That's, I love that story. <laughs> what else is there? 
How about the story of the last show we promoted? Oh, yeah. So we put the show together. It was a big NWA show. And it was uh, Sheik Cabana. It was Dark City versus the Briscoes. It was a good show top to bottom. And I talked to this promoter. and we Actually, we talked to the promoter. Or not a promoter. A guy who runs clubs in Jacksonville. And um, the kid, you can use my, you can use my club. He's going to give us the crazy horse in Jacksonville. And it was a big... Uh, Big open floor. It was a steady setup. We had all this stuff figured out, and uh, so we had a middleman that I knew from someone else, but a mutual friend, and he was the guy going in between us, and he was doing all the hookups, or whatever. He's getting yeah, out doing the flyers. Da da da. I got this going on. I got that going on, and then he sent me messages. Hey, uh, the uh, the promoter wants like twenty percent off the door or something like that, and he was going to get all concessions. Thought it was a little weird. I was like, okay, we'll talk about it when I get there. So we show up. Uh, the night before the show to make sure... The night before the show. Like, less than 24 hours before the show took place. And the dude was like, yeah, man, I overslept. And it's like, it was like, what, 9 o'clock at night or something? Yeah, yeah. And He must have really overslept. Yeah, we called the dude that was supposed to be the middle He yeah, I overslept. It's 9 o'clock at night at this point. I'm like, all right, I gotta meet you there. So we show up and we're waiting and he's not there. And then we go into... We go into the building, and I was like, hey, I was like, I'm here to leave some flyers for the wrestling show. And she goes, that's next weekend. I was like, no, 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 the wrestling show this weekend, next weekend, then in May. And she was I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, okay, well, can we talk to the owner? So we go in, and the owner's like, um, I remember talking to you, but this guy has done nothing for you guys since you left that day. He was telling me that he was promoting the show, and... He wasn't going back to the main guy. What he was going to do is he was going to try to book us for money off ticket sales. And so at the very last minute, we had no building. So We had nothing. Nothing. And, right? and the guy kept saying, we can't do it. I'm sorry. We can't do it. It's not going to happen. So we were supposed to have sound, lighting, and everything. We were already supposed to be hooked up for us. And then we found out that we did not have that. We, so, uh, we hardly had a building. Right, right. Wow. wow. So yeah, yeah. When, when I think back to it, 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 it's like a 1980s montage of like <laughs> sweeping taking place. And Well, first we look at this. He was able to fit us into this really small venue. because It was a group of clubs. But he was able to fit us in this really small venue that hadn't been used in so long. Nothing worked. The, the speakers were gutted. Everything was gone. And there was no like... AC. No AC. There was there was like a little hole in the ground big enough for the ring, and there were ugh. there were there were cigarette butts, empty beer bottles. The club hadn't been used in a year. In one of the locker rooms, there were it was like like lipstick and old stripper panties and pictures, and it was it was like gross. So it, it was 80s montage is, is probably right. I'm thinking one crazy summer when when they're building the boat is kind of where I'm seeing it like. Well, see, but, what I think of, I just put everything to, like, danger zone. Because we were on the highway to the danger zone. We were on the highway <laughs> to the danger zone that night. And it was, yeah. that. well, that night, we spent it figuring out everything. And I was panicking because, you know, I'm a little anxious of a guy. And you're just like, I'm John Davis. I can get it done. Because you're more happened. than me. And it was spent, it was a late night. We spent it playing No Mercy. Because we couldn't do anything that night. And the rest of the day was spent cleaning, going to Costco because we had to buy concessions instead of them supplying it. 
um, picking up everybody from the airport. It was just buying chairs because they didn't have chairs for us. It was, it was ridiculous. We were completely screwed out. So the big show where Sheik won the NWA belt from Cabana that caused so much controversy and whatnot, it, it almost never took place. Yeah. Wow. And and even that, even that, to the point that, to where Cabana didn't get to the building until after the show started. Yeah. Because it was like Cabana missed his flight or something. And we didn't, ha- we didn't even have Copa Cabana for him to come out to, so he came out to beat it by Michael Jackson. Yep. <laughs> like, there were so many things that were just that went wrong. <laughs> that was also the day that the oh. Briscoes ate Easter dinner at my house. Oh. I was, was going to say... It, it was the day before Easter when the Briscoes, the Briscoes ate with my family and everything. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a real random picture. Jam marks into the table with your parents. And they were all hanging out. It was weird. It was a fun time. I was going to say, at least uh, if you didn't have someone's music, at least it's Cabana's where you could have to use Beat It. I can't imagine exactly the Briscoes coming out to Beat It. That would have been funny. <laughs> we, we had everything. You know? It was just one of those, like, okay, well, Cabana was going to have his music. And he didn't, he didn't have his music. Yeah. But, I mean, it was, it was, it was kind of our fault. We could have we could have done better, but I feel like him losing the belt to beat it was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say so. But he he was a trooper about it. Cabana was a good guy about it. So, and he'll be at uh, two of the shows this weekend. So, get to be making yep. his return to Florida. But uh, I guess we'll start to wrap up here. But before then, we have a few questions for you, John. Um, one of which is actually. Actually, a question that I myself should probably be asking, considering that I am such a fan of whenever you manage to pull this move out of your repertoire. One is your what is your favorite pounce that you have ever performed? Oh, you know, um, I can give you a top five. That would be wonderful. <laughs> top five. Um, I can. Uh, in no particular order, just going off the top of my head. Um, Grizzly Redwood in Ring of Honor for the first TV tapings. Oh, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hit him in the middle of the O and he landed in the turnbuckles. Um, <laughs> two would be uh, a two from the Dragon Gate show in the elimination match in freestyle. Uh, the three would be Loki because I did not think he was going to land in the ring. I think I I think I told you that it looked like he went out to the floor or he was about yeah, to I, fly out. I, I landed before he did. Um, oh. Four was Sammy Callahan from uh, Revere, and five and my favorite, maybe my favorite, would be Pinky Sanchez in Indianapolis. One one that is certainly omitting, actually, at least in my opinion, is the one from Larry Dallas of Peterson Cup Night Two. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know that was that was one hundred percent you guys on that one. Um, what what we what you didn't catch was uh, when we were picking them up to hit uh, well, the pounce was you guys started calling for it, so we gave it to you. And then when we were when we were picking them up to do our affirmative action, we were standing them up. I'm like, um, how's your balls? He's like, what? And then I slapped him in his nuts. And when he leaned over to grab his nuts, we hit affirmative action. So if you ever get to talk, 
Then we talk to Larry Dallas, ask him about that, because he was not happy. <laughs> you know, I got to say, on the topic of Larry Dallas, that's a guy that I've seen people give so much flack to. And people really, for whatever reason, hated on Larry Dallas. But he's over in Japan making money right now, and he's living his dream. And I know last Peterson Cup, I got to hang out with him and talk to him quite a bit. That's one of the, like, that's a smart guy. Yeah, and he, and he cares a lot about the business. He cares so much about the business. So he, I just laugh at people whenever they make fun of him because he's in it for the right reasons. Yeah, it just, it just so happens that he's a douchebag. Yeah, well, but, it is what it is. Yeah. Not, to, not to mention, I mean, he's keeping managers around just by being around. So. Exactly. He's good. I, there's, there's, not a, there's not a lot of managers that can do what he does. There's not a lot of American managers that were able to go to Japan to just be a manager. Yeah. Uh, actually, on note of Peterson, since it's seemingly a question that's almost always asked on an audio of ours, uh, even though you were not in the tournament, you were present for the shows. What are your thoughts on Jeff Peterson Cup 2011? <laughs> 2011? Yeah. Or yeah, last, last year. year. Mm-hmm. I thought it was top to bottom, probably the best Peterson Cup we had. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, let me just cut in real quick. Was it Peterson Cup 08 that you were in? Yeah. How was that? It was good. Had a lot of fun. You got how far did you make it? Um, I made it in night two. Who who beat you? That would be Granakuma. So you got beat by Granakuma, huh? I did get beat by Granakuma. How does that feel? Um, you know what? He's a, a very tough competitor and I like Granakuma. Um, Granakuma's the man. He had my number that night. He absolutely did. Didn't he have a concussion as well? I, I don't know. It was uh, speculated. Hmm. He had a concussion, not 100% certified. Craig Classic, uh, I believe, gave him a concussion. Possibly. You, you'd have to ask Craig. I'm not sure. You got beat of, by a guy with a concussion. Which is sort of funny, considering that Grant Akuma, I believe, dropped Craig right on his head with a Rubik's Cube, and yet that, Akuma's, that the one who, who, Akuma's the one who walked away with a concussion. That was a great match. That. It's it's just crazy to see how much how far you've come since '08 though. Mm-hmm. You know, like losing to Gran Akuma in the second round to wrestling Fit Finley and Loki in the same weekend. Like it's it's incredible to me to see how far you've grown since then. So there's a little uh, putover for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Hey, you're welcome. Thoughts on working at Johnny G's Fun Center in Warner Robins, Georgia. <laughs> I love Warner Robins, Georgia. You, you know the the good thing about about Johnny G's is that it's a fun center. Um, <laughs> there were <laughs> batting cages and go karts and whatnot, but no, seriously, the uh, we had a lot of fun actually going up there and working that working with the guys, and um, that's actually another story. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Metscat or not. Have you heard the story, Jake? I don't think so, no. Um, Kyle Matthews has had this gimmick worked up, and it was uh, some kind of something tiger thingy. I don't remember what it was. But his mask looked like it was wet, and it had fur on it. So when he puts on the costume... Um, I like. It. I don't know if you guys remember Looney Tunes too much. Oh, of course, absolutely. Okay. 
Remember Patty LePew chasing the cat? Mm-hmm. There was, this, there was an episode where the cat falls into water, and Patty LePew gets covered in blue or whatever, and then the cat starts chasing Patty LePew. But the cat covered in water and coughing looked exactly like Kyle Matthews in his costume. <laughs> so we we started calling the whole gimmick Meth Cat. And me, Jimmy Rays, AJ Steele, Murder One, Corey, um, I think Chip Day was there, uh, Corey Hollis, we were all coming up with moves for Meth Cat. And it was all stupid, like, like, Somebody would hit the ribs for a tackle, and we would take a back bump and just start batting our hands and feet at them. Like, it was all ridiculous cat stuff that had nothing to do with anything. Or we'd hit a move and then start, like, licking our hand and rubbing our hair. Like, that was, <laughs> that was the whole gimmick. And we would talk while we were doing it, and that was Meth Cat. So if you ever get Kyle Matthews on the show, ask him about Meth Cat. <laughs> that is tremendous. Another question here for you. Is there anyone that you have wanted to face so you have not had the opportunity to do so yet? Um, let's see. Guys, uh, we're talking about singles matches? Um, well, it could be anything. I mean, even if it's like uh, teaming with someone. I mean, you know, you, well, you know it, it hasn't been mentioned yet, but you're, you're still the NWA tag team champions with Corey. We are. That's right. There's still a lot of tag tag teams out there that you guys haven't wrestled. It's funny you say that because uh, me, Corey, and Adam Pierce uh, wanted to be in the King of Trios this year, and uh, we were going to be Team Sindark City, <laughs> and uh, for some reason it didn't happen. I don't know if, if the, I think it, I think when we talked to Corey, it was already it was already full, but. Um, now, do they anybody, know the story behind Send Dark City? I don't know. Are you guys familiar with the story? Uh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, what was it? The the story behind Send Dark City. Um, I don't know if, I, you, if you if you've ever I seen our Twitter. Like, we'll randomly like me, Corey, and Pierce will randomly post it up there. I don't think I have personally seen it. No. All right. Um, me and Corey got signed to Ring of Honor, and Pierce was running the show and uh one night we're at tv and there's a match going on and it's a tag match and it's it's going pretty bad and it's a pretty show and uh pierce is irate and he's like get these guys out of the ring get him out of the ring and he's losing his mind and he was uh <laughs> he's looking around in the locker room he's like dark city he goes send dark city and off we went and destroyed the match. And this became a thing. If you were working for Ring of Honor and me and Corey were in the locker room, you should probably have a good match or they would send Dark City. And it, it's one of the things where the guys in the locker room were hoping the pre-show matches were bad so me and Corey could go out there and just wreck shop. Um, <laughs> remember me, me telling you that I, uh, I destroyed a guardrail with Kevin Steen's body. We were we were in Chicago and it was pre-show and it was Kyle O'Reilly when he was first breaking in and I can't remember the dude's name he was wrestling and the locker room was crowded and I don't know if you I mean anybody who's ever seen the Chicago Ring of Honor show knows there's like a WrestleMania three or yeah WrestleMania three runway where it's like it's like a mile long to get to the ring. Um, we're watching the match on the monitor and Pierce is getting mad. And so everybody starts looking around and like, it's like, it's funny watching all these men giggle because they know it's getting ready to happen. 
So I'm standing up on a weight bench, and Corey's by Pierce. And Pierce is slowly and surely becoming red and getting more and more angry. As soon as the headset comes off, we know what's happening. But Pierce has got the headset off, and he's like, send dark. I'm in the air jumping over people. And Corey's already running. Now, you know, Colorado has that combo where he hits you once in the corner, he hits the ropes, and hits something else. And I think it's elbows. As, as Pierce was yelling, send dark city, Kyle was on the way to hit the first elbow straight on. By the time he hit the ropes to come in for the second one, I was standing in front of him. <laughs> uh, so uh, I clothesline Kyle, and he goes to get up in a power bomb. Him. And Corey hits the other dude, and the other guy jumps out of the ring. I don't see Corey hit the other guy because I'm power bombing Kyle. And I see the guy slide out of the ring, and Corey can't get his hands on him. But he's sliding out of the ring thinking he's safe. I slide under the bottom rope like, no, you don't. I grabbed him by the back of his head and his trunks and started running. And again, did not stop until I hit the guardrail. But um, so anybody who worked pre-show for Ring of Honor while me and Corey were there, it was nothing personal. It actually became kind of a cool thing. So thank you to everybody who was a part of the whole Thin Dark City initiative. <laughs> oh, um. Oh, what? Uh, I don't. Uh, did you? Um, uh, did you have any uh, dream opponents uh, that you do that you have wanted to face? Got oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh um, no, you're quite okay. Quite okay. Uh, you know, singles matches. Um, I really wanted to get in a match with Eddie Edwards. Um, Willie Mack, Michael Elgin, uh, Pac. Um, Shingo. I don't think anybody else. I think those are the top ones that I'm, like I've been thinking about, I've been wanting to get in the ring with. Everybody Pac, else I've pretty much gotten into. Pac especially, that may, uh, you end up hitting a pounce on him and that may end up shooting its way to number one on the chart. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has a very, very high chance of being the most devastating pounce ever given. <laughs> Uh, so I guess we'll uh, probably wrap up here. But do you, uh, Jake, John, uh, do either of you have any final thoughts that you want to throw out there? Uh, I mean, for me, I don't have anything to promote. I got nothing. I just, you know, John has been in this business for a long time, and this is going to be his weekend to shine. And if it's not, then you know, professional wrestling is really missing out on a talent. So. You know, he's grown so much, and I'm, I know I, for one, I'm proud of him for everything he's done, but the fans don't really know John Davis, so I was, I'm hoping that people get to really know him through this and get to know his personality, because he's, he's a fan. First and foremost, he's a fan, and that's what the wrestling business needs more of, people that love the business, so if, I know I'm rooting for you, man. I hope it goes well this weekend. I hope you stick around, but I understand if you don't. But we're all proud of you. I second those thoughts. Uh, and right. any, any final thoughts yourself, John? You know, uh, mainly I was just going to say thank you to everybody that's been, that's been a supporter of mine. It's, um, as Jake said, I was, you know, I was a fan. I grew up watching the business and was lucky enough to find myself in it, you know, and, uh, my main thing is I've just been trying to make an impact and leave some kind of mark on the business that, you know, I fell in love with, you know, 
20 something years ago. Um, and hopefully I'm achieving that. And hopefully, you know, when I'm gone, if this is in fact my last weekend, that, you know, walking away from it, I'll have something to be proud of and you guys will have something to remember. But like I said, just thank you for everything. Oh, my pleasure, John. Uh, anywhere that fans can contact you at, I know you're on Twitter at uh, at John Davis eight one seven, if I'm correct. Yep, and that's that's basically it. I really don't do the whole Facebook thing; it's gotten way too complicated. Um, yeah, you can always hit me up on Twitter, send me a message, send me a DM, whatever you need to do, and I'm more than happy to get back to you. Well, I really appreciate having you on the show, John, and look, certainly looking forward to all three shows this weekend, which, uh, go ahead and plug those now. They're Evolve 13, 14, or excuse me, 14, 15, and 16, all of which can be ordered at WWNlive.com. You can order the live streaming of each show for $10 a piece. You can either get it with that a live streaming and on-demand so you can watch it whenever you want for $15 a piece or you can get live streaming on-demand and then a DVD of the show and the DVD is released for $25 so head on over to www.live.com or dgusa.tv to give those a look and once again Jake, John, thank you very much for being on the show Thank you It was a pleasure So until next time, I will be, we'll all be at the shows this weekend, so definitely go out of your way to check them out, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Okay, well, being that me and Jake are on it, there's only one song that's going to work, and that would be Josh Solbo by Slick. That is true. And that we'll is very it, true. And we'll make it happen. <laughs> we... We used to walk around all the time like that. Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> yeah. God, where was Riot? Newport Ritchie? I remember yeah. walking around a Walmart with our sunglasses on, walking around like that. Yep. I did it. At, uh, I did it. I want to say I was in Miami or something. And somebody uh -huh. was, I started singing the song and I started doing the walk. And I, I, want to, I want to say Shima and Chuck Taylor were very impressed by my Akeem the African Dream walk. <laughs> well, that's, there's a lot of practice. Uh, did you uh, uh, get to see the one in uh, Miami? I did not. With the over, the main event of the Overtaker versus Dick Foley. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> you know, I I wanted to go to those, but was, was I was saying really Andy, there? Andy uh, didn't want to go to those. Oh, uh, oh, Foley? No, no, no! It was uh, uh, Dick Foley. <laughs> Yeah, he looks just like Mick Foley. Oh, yes, yes. I've wrestled him. Really? Oh. Yes, he's from North Carolina. I've, I've worked him before. Wow. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, the whole gimmick was, is we did this thing, is right after I messed my knee up, and I was coming back, and we were doing the shows in Carolina, and it was me, Johnny Vandal, and somebody else, versus Dick Foley, Tommy Vandal, and some other dude. And, uh... So we're doing this thing where we're jumping the baby faces. Dick Foley comes in and we like he, he starts throwing weapons in the ring, and me and Johnny and, and I might have been Craig, was it Craig? It might have been, and we started grabbing all the weapons and throwing them back out. <laughs> but he couldn't get he couldn't get in the ring. His whole gimmick was he had to get the weapons in the ring and get in. And so he'd throw them in and we'd get them and we'd throw them out. And he'd throw them back in and we'd throw them back out. And we kept throwing them on opposite sides of the ring. And then he uh, 
he finally gets in and he raises the trash can that hit us and we all just powder. And then <laughs> we spend we spend like the next like seven minutes like he's trying to get us to get back in the ring and we roll like I roll my head in and I get out and we'll start stretching or start doing push ups. So like I think we went to the concession stand. Like we did everything we could to piss them off and I think the match ended up being like twelve minutes. But you can and get away with that in the Carolinas. Yeah, it was so easy, and the crowd was super hot. The referee was the only person pissed off in the match. That's so awesome. You guys, are, <laughs> you guys are burying me. Why are you putting all this heat on me? You're burying me as a cure referee. Shut up and do your job. How are you burying a ref? <laughs> yeah, seriously. We were in the match, and he said something. I was like, bro, you, your job is count to three. Just do that. God. Like, I don't even see how that's possible. How one can yeah. bury a referee. You know, I wanted JP to ask you about Cyclone Jones. Oh, wow, I completely forgot. <laughs> but then all you can really good. say is Cyclone Jones is a motherfucker. Yep, that was well, we can... wouldn't die. <laughs> we, we, Joey Machete came up with the idea, and he pitched it to the boys, and all the boys loved it because I hated it. I still have the... Uh, I still have the picture that Andy made, the Cyclone Jones picture, too. I think I think I have it saved somewhere as well. Yeah. Oh, Andy. You want um, me to, Joey, Joey wanted me to be a serious wrestler with the, with the name Cyclone Jones. You could have a tornado punch. <laughs> I was all about that. I told him the whole gimmick I had, to, I had to be, I had to wear, like, the old-school bicycle shorts, like the, the short ones, and high-top socks. He goes, no, you're going to be serious wrestler. You can call me Cyclone Jones, bro. How, how serious can that be? Right. God, that can, would have been the best. Uh, then uh, can have a match with Matt Hardy, so that way when his theme song plays, you can say, I can slap a tornado. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sets yeah, that up perfectly. I would have never <laughs> thought of that. I was thinking you could just, you know, dig up Kerry Von Erich. Or actually, you could oh. just, uh, oh, oh, or you could even uh, form a tag team with the Hurricane. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> we could be the new natural disasters. I was just going to say bring in Typhoon again. Typhoon's still alive. That would be also perfect. Yeah, that would Typhoon. Because nobody <laughs> thinks Typhoon. Everybody thinks Shockmaster. Yeah. Well, I think Tugboat. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I, I think Tugboat too, but, I mean, Shockmaster. I know the, mo the majority would certainly think Shockmaster. Man, yeah. not me.